0: It has actually happened as we predicted. Well, not as I predicted, because honestly, having Twitter analysts and Twitter activists make their projections of how elections should work is really cringe. But as the numbers predicted, as 538 predicted, as the polls projected, Joe Biden has won the 2020 election, denying Donald Trump of his second term. Now, what does that mean exactly? Um, This isn't going to be really an episode focused on uh, why polls work and why we should stick to polls and how everybody who was defeated towards polls were wrong. I'll make that episode another day. This episode specifically is going to be hammering home or focusing on or honing in why did Biden necessarily be Trump. And not only why Biden beat Trump, but why what what happened? What would what, what message was conveyed from this election? Um was it a blue wave that happened where Democrats just swept across the board? No, not necessarily. Was this a a confirmation that moderate candidates in the Democratic Party are uh more electable than progressive ones? Maybe but not necessarily. Was this a referendum for progressivism, saying that if we ran a more progressive candidate, we would have basically won by a bigger landslide? That's not necessarily true either. Honestly, all these myopic views that come from these Twitter analysts are, you know, political pundits, it, it, it it's it's just that it's very nearsighted. It's not really getting the whole picture of understanding what happened this year. Um so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Biden beats Trump, but Trump still survives. Let's get into it. <laughs> Well guys, Biden actually did it Biden actually pulled it off And really more than pulled it off But decisively won Against Trump um, And now we have Ever since George H.W. Bush The second Republican uh, To be denied a term in the modern era So <clears throat> Does this mean we're out of the woodwork yet? Probably not um, Unfortunately with Trump Came a lot of baggage But before we go into that I briefly want to touch on one prompted question that's plaguing the minds of all Democrats in this Big Ten party. And that's being, yeah, it's cool that Biden won. And we had some great pickups too. We won states like Georgia. We won the Blue Wall back. We won Pennsylvania. And we even won Arizona. But there were a lot of House swing elections or well, House elections in swing states where the Democrats underperformed, basically where the polls projected them to, you know, beat their opponents now beat their opponents by only field margins. Of course, Uh, a a lot of Democrats didn't win in these swing districts. Mind you, these swing districts, both the bulk of these swing districts are swing districts. We picked up um, during the 2018 midterms. So, you know, just kind of picture that and have that in your mind for a second. So, before I go into my, you know, qualitative analysis of what I feel happened to the Democrats and why they suffered such a, you know, underperformance, um, I, I would like to touch on just the media narratives from all sides being progressive moderates and um, their analysis and what they feel went wrong in this election. Um, first, we go to Jim Clyburn. Uh, this, uh, guy is basically a moderate Democrat has been, you know, he's the house whip as well. Um, uh, which is, you know, a seat like right under Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, uh, at least one of them. And so he's a real high ranking Democrat, Democrat. And so basically, you know, guys, he, he's from South Carolina. So, you know, his part his politics is of course, conservative Democrat, you know, moderate leaning. But basically he said, he came out and said that defund the police slogan uh that was championed by the far left of the party is what got basically, you know, these people to lose. These Dems who just picked up these gains in 2018 to lose their house seats in 2020. Now, this isn't about if you feel defund the police is, you know, a good slogan. Because, I mean, that would take a whole nother episode to make the argument for. Me personally, I don't necessarily mind it. Um, it, it reallocating resources to better programs is something that we should all hope to look towards the future. At the end of the day, when you just <clears throat> notice and see how much responsibility um, our officers have and how that translates to mis, to more misconduct and, you know, uh, you know, more mistreatment of, you know, citizens, like defund the police isn't as bad or, (laughs) you know, as, you know, uh, controversial as people would think once we really talked about it and you know really sorted through the details but basically jim cloburn said that sloganeering and activism is what caused you know these dims to lose in these moderate swing districts and it, it's just so funny that he says this Um, Because even as Bakari Sellers brought up, uh, which is someone to the right of me, still, you know, uh, a good Democrat, uh, he even brought up the fact that when you look at the exit polls of people who voted, right, first of all, we know that Joe Biden won. So by definition, more Democrats are more people, Democratic leaning uh, opted to vote this election. Um, So when you look at the exit polls for the people who voted for, you know, the Republican side and the Democratic side, you see on the Republican side that. Uh, The economy was the number one issue for them and why they voted. And, you know, that was a big, major majority of why they voted. But when you go on the Democrat side, it's kind of, you know, leveled out. It's kind of even, you know. um, The third one uh, you have at at number three, the number uh, three issue for Democrats um, was coronavirus. And then the number two. Um, was the economy, I believe, but the number one issue for Democrats, um, according to Exit Polls, and, and the reason why they voted was to fix and mend racial inequality. So it is just so funny that you know Jim Clyburn says that uh, sloganeering and activism is what caused you know people to lose in these swing swing districts when sloganeering and activism one has been all of 2020 and really could be, you know, one of the sole reasons why people got out to actually vote. And to say that, you know, it's just sloganeering, you know, like this activism has not turned into organ or, you know, organizing. And, and I'm specifically talking about the term defund the police. When you look at Minneapolis, right? <laughs> and you know when that terrible situation with George Floyd happened, what did they do? They got the they 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 activated in the streets, they organized in the streets, and got their council uh uh board or, or you know the councilmen to actually defund the police. Now, we you we we could talk about um, is dismantling dismantling the police uh, right uh, the, the correct thing to do um should we like like do it or not or as far as like uh what res? or should we just pour more resources into the police and, and and have them better better adequate change trained again this isn't the episode for that um i again we would have to go a deep dive into why and what defund the police actually means and what it would mean for the country but just, again, to touch on the fact that Jim Clyburn just simply dismissed this <laughs> and, you know, uh, a black man to a black, uh, you know, Democrat who has been, you know, a cornerstone in, you know, uh, politics and representation for pe- particularly, particularly people in the black rural South. So as I do appreciate his tenure uh he is completely wrong on this like he has been completely wrong on other things remember jim Clowburn has literally existed to the right of nancy pelosi all of his career and that's just something we we we, we can't you know negate or can't ignore so no it was not defund the police or why these swing uh, candidates uh, why these candidates in these swing districts lost lost this election. Um, what my personal analysis that I'm looking from, I'm looking at the numbers. I my qualitative analysis, um, my idea of what happened particularly in this election has to do more with Democrats under overestimating their ground game and underestimating how much Trump can galvanize a base cuz first i want to paint one picture and one thing is clear and one thing we have to understand and and this is particularly to the moderates saying that progressives is what cost us the election or whatever um the idea or this myth that has been plaguing the democratic party which you know uh, has plagued me as well you know i've thought this too and i was wrong when i thought this but this myth that Democrats will automatically win turnout elections is just not true. And that's one of the main things we've seen from this election, particularly in regional areas, in regional politics. You know, Dems had this, uh, we we had this idea that, okay, as long as everybody is anti-Trump, then uh, Democrats are going to bump, you know, in the polls, you know, uh, in these regional uh, districts as well. Even if these regional, regional swing districts, like, uh, the one, uh, like district, uh, like the district of New York, um, or the 11th district of New York, that is, these swing districts were already five plus Republican, meaning that the edge in the math was already in the Republican's favor. And these are most of these swing districts, by the way. And so to, to simply say that, you know, that anti-Trump rhetoric was going to, you know, boost, you know, all the uh, the Democrats into gaining houses in the seat, into taking back the Senate. That That's just not true. You know? People think differently on a regional level. And that's just something we, we have to understand. And, and, and understanding that is that most of these swing districts... Uh, are reliably are lean heavily conservative so you know l- l- let's just say for instance max rose right max rose he was the democrat that lost this election um in the district uh of new york well the 11th district of new york um and when you look at his seat literally the tenure of his seat historically a democrat has never won that seat twice <laughs> Like ever, <laughs> they they as uh, d- soon as a Democrat uh, d- just to lace you guys up if you don't know, um the, the U.S. House of representatives, House of Rep- representatives all uh run every two years, right? They run every single two years. So every election, this be midterm or general, they are running for their seat. So every uh, uh, uh basically historically, a Democrat in that district where Max Rose lost has never won. Like, 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 uh, twice before has never won twice before. So this idea that progressives are the ones that cost him that district, no. This is a district that constantly flips. Now, okay, New York is not a good example. Let's go to Torres Small in New Mexico. Um, she was the House of Representative uh, Democrat. Uh, a district of uh, uh, two in, in New Mexico who lost her election. She lost her election. Um, but did she really lose her election to because of progressivism? Well, when you particularly look at her case, she she lost her election due to misinformation from the Republicans, basically saying that the bipartisan gun bill which Trump also endorsed and supported. She once she signed that, she was basically, you know, taking away people's guns and taking away people's rights. And then when you look at most of these swing districts that lost, and when you look at the Republicans that they lost to, when when it comes to campaign ads, they dumped the most money into making anti Nancy Pelosi ads and anti-Chuck Schumer ad. Now, is Nancy Pelosi progressive? I don't necessarily think so, but that could be debated. But Chuck Schumer? Really? So when you see that these Republicans were actively campaigning against these two figures, how was, you know, sloganeering and defund the police are just progressive policies, period, how were? How was this the reason that we lost the election? It it just doesn't make sense. And what I feel like a lot of people don't understand or consider is that, and this was my, uh, well, a lot of people don't consider this, is that whatever you think happened in this election, as far as like uh, moderates being the ones to say that hey we are the most electable our progressives being the ones to say hey uh well moderates lost all these house seats so that means moderate uh third way democrats isn't the way to go and progressivism the way isn't the way to go like both of those ideas and ways of thinking to me is horribly stupid and so myopic like oh my god these are the most nearsighted views on how to win things look at the end of the day when you we're arguing about progressive moderate who which which is more electable the important thing to notice here is that neither of them was able to beat and completely rebuke Trumpyism, or Trumpism, Trumpyism, that's funny, uh, but Trumpism. Progressives, moderates, we all lost that fight when it came to rebuking what is Donald Trump. When it came to rebuking conspiratorial rhetoric from QAnon supporters, as we speak, 20 dems in reliably republican areas of course i said 20 dems 20 republicans in reliably republican areas who have some who who have voice support for qan qanon the 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 conspiracy uh theories uh group are the yeah the conspiracy theories reddit they have supported they have voice support for conspiracy theories saying that Donald Trump is basically being attacked by the deep state, and that you know, everything the the the, the deep state is gonna use everything as such as the media to uh you know go against him and that all they want to go against him because they don't want to basically be found out as pedophiles and save our children or some bullshit. These are the these are the people that are being elected to Congress now, though. When you're talking about uh, Majority Green Taylor, that's what I think her name is. Yeah. Majority, oh no, Majority Taylor Green. She did this woman has literally openly admitted it, admitted to Democrats being pedophiles in her believing right wing conspiracy theories and also being anti vax, anti science. So while these people are what. 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 We did learn though is that these people are not the people who decide elections. Of course, people who decide elections are apolitical but fair-minded, independent people. So, as far as Donald Trump or Trumpism winning any major elections again, as far as like presidents concerned, uh, it's gonna be extremely hard for that faction of party to you know do anything after this, but. What we do see is that, regardless of how powerful they may be or how powerful they are, they are—they are definitely a faction in the Republican Party now. That's why when you have Trump contesting the election with with these bogus claims, like people dead people in Michigan are voting, uh, you know, with these bogus claims of voter fraud, uh, in in, in Arizona, and then he just wheels that back in and says okay now nah, Arizona is fine like these bogus claims that he makes you know the reason why he makes them is to galvanize this base and in in the fact that this base is galvanized from this rhetoric shows that hey this is a part of the Republican party even though it may not be a decisive majority of are the way America thinks this is a faction and a foundation of a Republican party. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Republicans try to deter that. Because the thing is, you get political power from listening to your, con- uh, your constituents. So how is it going to be when Mitch McConnell has to listen to these, or, or, or even fair-minded Republicans like Mitt Romney, have to listen You know, to these conspiracy theorists? Or listen to the faction uh, that that is not also conspiracy theorists, but write out ultra-nationalists when we're t- talking about people like the Proud Boys. It's like the Republican has like a train, is it, it, developing a train to authoritative fascism. It, they are. You know, it starts on the conspiracy QA on shit. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. I, I don't really care. Uh, And it starts on that, and it and it's this train that just goes down into ultra-nationalist thinking. Because after that, after they fear-mongering you with all the anti-vax and the anti-fear, and the, um, the anti-vax and the anti-science stuff and the uh, anti-media and the anti-facts that's when they could start telling you, this is why we need to preserve our posterity, right? This is why it's important for for us to, you know, remember those 14 words. And these are those dog whistles that are implemented into these, you know, Q supporters, I'll call them, uh, who support these right-wing conspiracy theories. So the fact that this, is a major part of the Republican party cuz I th- I still think Donald Trump has more than 90% of the approval rating of the Republican party. So if Republicans are Republicans in office that is, well, if their they're, their mouths are closed shut be uh when it comes to, you know, people talking uh supporters talking about this as a fraudulent election and them not even be able to speak the truth on that, it shows that the <laughs> that the Republican Party is headed towards a terrible place, but unfortunately, we can't, as Democrats, celebrate that. Because a lot of times we forget that. Oh God, Republicans are half of the party, so we we can't really just cast them aside. Like, no, they're an active part of the party. So if you know. Not saying all Republicans are uh, QAnon and supporters, but let's say if it went to that, like okay, we fast forward ten years, Republican Party is now the party of Q. Um, now this is half of oh, the half of the country we have to deal with now, as far as like you know, you know, debating with institutions and 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 and, and debating ideas, and we, we we're literally going back into a science versus anti science place. And that's scary, because that shows that no matter how left we think things are getting, this electorate, the United States, has continued to stay a center-right electorate. I'm going to take a break real quick. I'll be right back for my closing statements. That'll be directly straight at Progressive's. We've been talking too much about the moderates. Now I need to, you know, get my progressives in check. So right after this. While the mainstream analysis, the mainstream myopic analysis from moderates, you know, kind of irritated me. uh, What also irritated me was the same mainstream cookie cutter analysis that progressives, some progressives were giving um th- this is not including AOC because I feel like she actually gave some of the best critiques um overall uh you know and and I feel like um I think uh Jamila Papal, uh of, I'm sorry I won't pronounce her name wrong uh, but she's um also a congressman out of California and she had a really good analysis on this as well. But when I talk about mainstream analysis, I'm just talking about what both of the sides are saying. Uh, Like I said earlier, one of the biggest things that irritated me about moderates was that they were so quick to blame, you know, progressives. And so some progressives, what irritated me the most is seeing some progressives, you know, with that defeatist attitude, you know, saying, you know, that Bernie would have won by a bigger amount, you know. First, before I touch on the, touch on that, you know, I like to say that, you know, what was really irritating was the defeatist mindset when going into the election, we already knew that Democrats overwhelmingly represented their vote in mail in ballots and early voting. And knowing states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin would count those and tally those mail-in ballots after you know, initial election day count, uh, initial election day vote was counted. And so when, you know, Wisconsin was still a little red, red, when Michigan was still a little red, when Pennsylvania was still red, you know, when Georgia was still red, i could literally go down a rabbit hole here. You just seen all these lefties on Twitter saying, oh, well, how did the Democrats manage to do this? They suck. They're trash. Bernie would have won by a landslide. Now, whoa, bro. Well, where is this myopic analysis coming from? You know, it, it's not rooted in any numbers or any facts. And so, like, when when when, when people said that, I was just like, whoa, because, like, at the end of the day, we can't conclusively, conclusively say what Bernie did would have done as far as, like, conclusively we can induct and make our inductions based off of you know premises that we have you know now but i just want to know what premises or what points lead people to think uh, uh inductively that bernie would have won in this landslide now am i saying bernie would have lost no 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 not at all you know but i, I i'll honestly say the margin of, you know, Bernie winning against Trump would have been smaller than what Biden did to Trump. Because what you have to consider, like I said earlier, is that this is a center-right electorate where cultural identities matter more than policy. You see, the, these things are perver- have perverted our politics for so long that you know the idea that all somebody had to say was bernie sanders was a socialist and you know florida is gone florida is lost for bernie you know even though biden didn't win it bernie would not have had a chance just understanding those cultural identities and i know a lot of people say well you know places like florida enacted the 15 minimum dollar wage so you know that was something ben, bernie was a champion of and he's a champion of progressive policies and increasing the f- minimum wage is a federal is a progressive policy but i'm i'm like dude like <laughs> politics is way more complex than that like yeah like florida probably voted to for a 15 minimum dollar wage but that does not mean that they're voting for progressive democrats and it doesn't really mean that they're voting for democrats either Just like this idea that, you know, when we talk about the working class, not all of the working class has this world class consciousness, right? A lot of Trump supporters are a part of that working class as well. So for you to simply say, uh, tie a policy um, and and say that, you know, with that policy and, and, and with this instance in Florida, we can prove that, hey, we can... When like progressives can win over, you know, hard arch conservative Republicans. No, not really, because, yeah, they'll probably be down with Bernie Sanders, 15 minimum wage, uh you know, gig. But they're not going to be cool with Bernie Sanders saying all trans lives matter. You know, they're not going to be cool with Bernie Sanders saying that, you know, let's get rid of private insurance. Now, these are two things that I love Bernie Sanders for for. Right. But there's a whole aspect of cultural identity and political power that goes into actually winning these elections. Now, again, I would have I still think Bernie would have won simply because Trump lost because how bad he mishandled the coronavirus (laughs) simply as that like there's no other reason why Trump lost. And I wouldn't say no other reason. These four years have been chaotic. But I would say this is the main cataclysm, you know, in the main denominator for, you know, the result that happened, you know, this month when Donald Trump was denied a second term. So honestly, I feel like any Democrat. Now, it depending on a Democrat, the margin of victory would, would have been, you know, cut. You know, I do feel like Joe Biden was in... You know, it, this has nothing to do with his ideologic, ideological, ideological stances, because, you know, I disagree with those. But I do feel like Joe Biden was the best equipped to face Donald Trump as far as just, you know, doing the electoral math. But I feel like, you know, every Democrat would have beat Trump, honestly, with this coronavirus thing. Oh, my God. Yes, they would absolutely beat Trump. But I feel like these margins would have definitely gotten smaller, you know and i as as a progressive for me you know i feel like the argument of who's who could take down the republican establishment or who can take down you know trump is trumpism uh moderates or progressives like it's such a moot conversation you know because as moderates since they're moderates in swing districts automatically their goal should be to what To be moderated in those swing districts. So us as progressives, we can't really get mad at every moderate that's in a swing district that doesn't support Medicare for All. That doesn't support single-payer health care. Now, me personally, I do. But why would I get mad at a blue, you know, Democrat in, you know, a a solid red district doing the same things? It, It just doesn't make sense at all. And us as progressives have to remember our mission which is to push you know this neoliberal party further to the left and we can only do this by creating factions in reliably blue districts so we have democratic strongholds these corporate democratic strongholds that turn into progressive strongholds you know the, the the moot conversation about you know Which one is more electable? Like, there's more that goes into that than what people realize. It's just not this binary law of moderates win all the time against Republicans and progressives win against, uh, you know, moderates all the time. It's not that clear cut, you know. And I I know there was this argument about, well, Bernie Sanders would have done better in Nevada. Because he would have done better with Hispanics. If you've seen from the Democratic primary um, this year, he did overwhelmingly better than Joe Biden in Nevada. And while I may agree with that, you know, because I do like he, he did well with Hispanics and he did really well and way better than Joe Biden. But that statement alone only proves that he, he had the chance to do better in Nevada, and the thing is, I, I still feel like it wouldn't have been, you know, astronomically bigger than Joe Biden's, I, I I just honestly don't, um, so I feel like since, like, these things aren't proven, since moderates, um, you know, Sucking at campaigning and progressives take taking over are you know basically moderate to blame progressives for their losses in their swing districts since none of this is proven it's very moot conversations for us just to hyper focus on it. What the left really needs to start focusing on, which 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 we absolutely don't and which we absolutely suck at, is political power. It seems like. The left, and and, and by the left, I mean, you know, everybody from the Democratic Party on, right? Um, It seems like the left is more concerned with cultural wars and winning those, you know, you know, you know, that's why we we always talk about the protests, reiterating the protests. And really, that's what the right cares about, too. Um, But it's more important for us as leftists to focus more on actually gaining political power because because counter protesting donald trump supporters who still think that you know <laughs> it was a fraudulent election that's funny and it's fine are you know uh protesting protesting proud boys literally neo ultra nationalists right um that that's fine that's cool uh you know it, it, because you're sticking it to them and showing showing them that no there's real opposition for opposition for the way that you think but to simply protest and and, and then re- on 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 the side of protesting completely reject electoralism like what <laughs> like th- this is what i don't understand about certain factions of love it's like let's say even though we've become more relevant in the cultural war not dominant because i know a lot of people think the left is dominant in the cultural war because we have Hollywood or whatever. No. Just because we've become more relevant in the, the culture war as far as society and culture, um, as far as leftist thought is, is, is considered. We still have to remember that that doesn't mean jack anything unless we have the polit- political power coupled with that to actually pass the policies that we want to pass. Well, what do I mean? How can we possibly say that we're winning a cultural war when there's still people in states around the United States who are discriminated for their gender identity and expression? When there's no protected class of, uh, there's no protected class for gay people in more than 15 states really more than 20, no protected classes. So how are we winning a culture war exactly? How are we winning the culture war when multiple Republican led States deny people expansion to Medicare and Medicaid, right? But Medicare fall, like bro, bro, like these capturing political power in these state legislators that that are overwhelmingly sixty percent Republican, this is how we actually get tangibly what we want. The uh, the Antifa LARPing, that's cool. It, 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 it's, it's dope. The 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 cosplaying, I understand. People like it. And then I I feel like I shouldn't have said that because I made light of. Antifa and the people who you know protest with antifa stand for it, I understand anti fascists make you mad. they make me mad too, especially as a black person, you know, but what doesn't really help me feel better either is taken to the street, yelling at the yelling past people, you know. And I'm not talking, I'm not saying protesting, you know, there's no utility in it. Because I made a whole episode of how there's utility in it. But there's only utility in it if you couple that with actually political organizing, political activation, which is political power. Well... That's all I had today for for you guys. Um, thank you guys so much for checking out. Um, and again, if you want to stay up to date with all the episodes, please follow us on E2 the podcast. Um, that's on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, like us on Facebook, E2 the podcast, um, and then follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you're interested in longer formatted conversations concerning politics where, you know, both sides, as far as, like, right and the left and center, where we all just get together and talk about um, this uh, politics um, fully fleshed out for, like, more than an hour. Um, Check out this page uh, called Civil Discourse. It's on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, They have a Facebook group. um, It's ran by this guy named Trevor Baston. Now, man, this is um, some really cool content and, and, and some really cool stuff can spring up for this. So I really want you guys to check out his page. Um, Of course, I I did a couple um, debates and discussions with uh, some libertarians and with the House candidate, uh, with a state House candidate. And so that was really dope. And uh, I hope that I get invited on to do more because I really love that environment. But if you love those longer format conversations, head on to Facebook or YouTube um, and it'll be Civil Discourse. Um, Civil Discourse. Um, Really great show. Really good show. And if you guys want to do anything as far as like come on this episode or come on this podcast or uh you know set up a debate with me you guys can always hit it up all right you know i love talking to people and even if it's not a debate just discussions you know just hit up you know the podcast on any of those social medias and we'll be sure to get back to you uh but thank you guys so much for checking out this episode we will be releasing more content uh on a normal basis again Uh, Now that all the election stuff is over. Thank you guys so much. Peace out and hope y'all have a good one.